Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here, and you're listening to the CFI podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. How should we best prepare for a CFI checkride? Well, today I'm going to take you through a mock CFI checkride. What is happening, M-Zero Nation? Jason Shepard here. You're listening to my favorite podcast, the CFI podcast. It's the one that gets the least amount of views, the least amount of thumbs up, the least amount of five-star reviews on, on iTunes and Audible, but it's still my favorite because you know what I think? I think although the audience is the smallest, it is the most powerful because you are CFIs, future CFIs, finding ways to better yourself. And if you have a CFI checkride coming up, or if you just want a friendly reminder of what your CFI checkride was like, that's what we're going to do here today. Speaking of that, CFIs, go back and listen to the private instrument and commercial pilot podcasts as well. I did some mock checkrides in there that's really going to benefit you because here's, here's where I'm taking this quickly. People often ask, Jason, how do I prep for a CFI checkride? I say, it's kind of like prepping, and just as, this is just the single eye, not the double eye. How do I prep for it? It's kind of like a private and commercial checkride combined, but now you're the teacher. So they say, well, what, what do I do? I say, you know what? One of the best places to start is go back through the M0A ground school and Watch the private pilot videos and say, okay, yes, I know you know how to do steep turns, but do you know how to teach steep turns? Can you do that at that level? That's what I'm really after and that's what you need to watch. So going back through these things with student pilot type eyes, that's where I want you to focus. I also need you to be aware that your CFI check ride may very well be two days. Mine was two days. Uh, the first day was the oral exam, which was four hours. I was so exhausted after that mental excursion that we did a discontinuance and just picked it up the next day. We had actually planned two days uh, for that to actually do that. So that worked out uh, you know, quite well. Prepare for that. It is a mental and flying marathon for that matter. So I'm going to dive into past your private and pass your commercial pilot checkride books. And we're just gonna go a la carte here, ask some questions. Again, I'll ask the question, I'll pause for a second, let you think of the correct answer, and then answer it like you would as if you're teaching it. Like when a student, I'm sorry, a learner asks you, hey, why is the battery less voltage than the actual system? Well, that's to allow the battery to charge. Hey, what are the two main fundamentals of a gyroscope? How would you teach that to a learner, by the way? What are the two main fundamentals of a gyroscope? We're talking about our gyroscopic instruments. They are rigidity in space and precession. Reading right from the book. Rigidity in space is based primarily on Newton's first law. A body in motion tends to move at a constant speed and direction unless disturbed by an external force. The spinning gyro inside our instrument maintains a constant attitude uh, as long as no outside force changes it. Rigidity in space. Precession, on the other hand, when a deflective force is applied to the rim of a stationary gyro rotor, the rotor moves in the direction of the force. When the rotor is spinning, however, the same forces cause the rotor to move in a different direction as though the force has been applied to a point 90 degrees around the rim of rotation of that rotation, the outside of that rotation. 
Can you name and explain for that matter, the compass errors? There's really two big compass errors. The first are our turning errors. Unos, we are to undershoot north, overshoot south. And then we have what we call our dip errors. Accelerate north, decelerate south. Hey, what is the purpose of the alternate static source? Well, it's a backup in case our primary gets clogged. I mean, in plain English, where is it? Where is, uh, if you have one, where is your alternate static source? Most of you, it's probably in the cockpit, in the cabin with you, but that's not always the case. So make sure you know where that uh, is at. Hey, if your vacuum system failed, what instruments would you lose? Some of you might be saying, Jason, I don't have a vacuum system. Anything is fair game. You're a CFI. You're going to jump on all sorts of different airplanes. Typically, you're going to lose your attitude indicator and your heading indicator. Typically, right? It does depend very much on the aircraft. What are the different types of Class E, Class Echo airspace? Well, we have a few. I'm going to list six of them for you, and I teach the acronym SET-VODA, S-E-T, SET-VODA, V-O-D-A. I realize that's, uh, that's seven. I apologize. Seven of them to you. Surface Class Echo, Extension Class Echo, Transition Class Echo, Victor Airways, O is for Offshore, D, Domestic and Route. A, above 14,500 feet. Can you name and explain the different types of special use airspace? I just did this on the commercial pilot podcast last week. The different types of special use airspace. I like to use the acronym MICPRON. The M is for a military operations area. The C is for a controlled firing area. The P is for a prohibited area. The R, restricted airspace, restricted area, sorry. A, alert area. W, a warning area. N, a national security area. And I'll throw in there as well a TFR, under anything under national security. We'll actually, uh, we'll call that there. Let's look up some more. Again, I'm just reading, actually, let's, let's switch books. Let's go to the commercial book now. Let's work through some here together. Hey, for your aircraft, what is your emergency descent procedure? What is the procedure and how would you teach it? And why do we do it? There's a lot of questions. I apologize. I'll give you a second to think about all that. Typically, not every aircraft, but typically power to idle. If it's a, if it's a constant speed prop, a higher RPM, it's a configuration for basically a, like a weird way of aerodynamic braking. Um, as soon as possible, extend gear and flaps. And the reason, if you have a retract, the reason we say extend them soon to get that gear out, because if you just throw this thing in a nosedive, you're going to be beyond your VLE, your landing gear extension speed. It'll be very, very hard to get that plane slowed down to the speed if you just come down all clean like that. Drop the gear and then do it at a, at a VLE speed. Um, and again, they recommend a 30 to 45 degree bank while descending. Because if you try that in a, in a Bonanza or something like that, that airplane is so slippery, you will never get it back down to VLE without some serious maneuvering. And you may defeat the whole purpose of your emergency descent procedure 
in the first place. Hey, what's the first indication of carburetor ice? What's the first indication that you've picked up carb ice? Typically a rough running engine. Could also be a drop in RPM, but it could be a drop in RPM because of a rough running engine as well. What, oh, here's a good one. What kind of oxygen do we use in aviation? What kind of oxygen do we use in aviation? We use aviators breathing oxygen. We do not use medical grade oxygen. Why? Medical grade oxygen, since it's for a medical purpose, contains water for adding humidity to it. So medical oxygen has water in it, thus it could freeze at altitude in the oxygen lines. So we use aviators breathing oxygen, which is 99.5, I believe is the tolerance on it. Um, oxygen, very, very little moisture in there, so it doesn't freeze. All right, what color are taxiway lights? They're blue. Good job. Uh, what is calibrated airspeed? That's the indicated airspeed that is calibrated for instrument and installation error. I already said, but I'll ask again, what's VLE? VLE, your landing gear extension speed. All right, you ready? We're gonna rapid fire real quick. You ready? What is true altitude? This is the altitude that's read off the altimeter when the local barometric pressure is set into the altimeter. Then what is absolute altitude? It's the airplane's height above terrain. What is pressure altitude? The altitude read off the altimeter when 2902 is inserted into the altimeter. What is density altitude? Pressure altitude corrected for non-standard temperature or where the airplane feels like it's at. What is useful load? Useful load is the difference between gross takeoff weight and basic empty weight. It is the load that can be removed from the aircraft and is not a permanent part of the plane. Examples of useful load are usable fuel, the pilot, crew, passengers, baggage, uh, freight, cargo being hauled. Then what is payload? Payload is the load available for passengers, baggage, and freight. It is calculated after the weight of the crew, pilot, and usable fuel have been subtracted from the useful load. Um, you know the term payload from, you know, back in, in the olden days in the space shuttle missions, they shared we have this as payload that's on there. That was weight that's available for their experiments in this case. What is adverse yaw? Adverse yaw. Adverse yaw is the natural and undesirable tendency for an aircraft to yaw in the opposite direction of a roll. It is caused by drag created by the down deflection of the aileron in a turn. Define ground effect. Ground effect is the increased lift or force and decreased aerodynamic drag that an aircraft's wings generate when they are close to a fixed surface. A few more here, a few more, I promise. Um, let's see. 
Hold on, I want to find some good ones here for you. Just give me a little break from that rapid fire there. Let's find some good ones. I'm just looking through the book now with you here. What are isobars? Isobars are lines of equal pressure on a weather chart. Equal pressure. Equal pressure. You know the three types of ice, clear, rhyme, and mix. I just covered that a few podcasts ago, two weeks ago. You know standard temperature, right? 15 degrees Celsius. Ooh, here we go. Name the different types of spatial disorientation. It's good. I use the acronym ICE flags. I is for inversion illusion. C is the Coriolis illusion. E is the elevator illusion. F is a false horizon. L is the leans. A is autokinesis. G is graveyard spin and spiral. S is the somographic illusion. You see, a CFI checkride, while extremely difficult, it doesn't have to be. It'll be the most challenging checkride you do until the next one comes up, right? It's, it is challenging. It is a challenging checkride. You have to approach it. You have to look at everything as saying, okay, I got to get my private pilot knowledge, my commercial pilot knowledge. I got to get it down pat. I have to know it well enough to teach it. How would you explain this in plain English? That is the best way to look at things. How would you explain this to somebody if you had to, and you will have to, in plain English? How would you draw this? Can you draw your fuel system? Can you draw the, the, the prop? Can you draw the electrical system? Not, and not every wire, but just this bus and this bus and this is connected to this bus and, and, and here's my you know, air data computer. Can you show all those things, at least in a basic diagram? That's the level that we're looking for on this CFI checkride. Listen, uh, I'm doing a big mock checkride live stream in just a few days. If you're watching this, this is the, it's the 26th today. On the 31st, so that's Tuesday, the last day of May, I am doing a live mock checkride on the MZRA YouTube, on the MZRA Facebook page. Please, please, please don't miss it. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. There's already a Facebook event up. Add it to your calendars. RSVP, you're going on Facebook, so I know ton of giveaways, a lot of great prizes. You will not want to miss it. May 31st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Have a blessed, abundant, outstanding rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you.